the Rabbi Mishkan Evna, page, we, we, we were running through the end quickly at page Mem Tess. Mem Tess. We were learning last week how just like just like different people have different languages, different names that they respond to. A person responds to the language that he knows. A person responds to the name that he's called by. So too, there's a certain language that the neshama has. That's what we we're talking about. There's a sfas ha neshama. The neshama has a language. And if we're not speaking, if we're not calling out to the neshama in its language, if we're not, if we're not addressing the neshama in its language, so it's no wonder that we go year after year after year being the kai mitzvahs, saying words of davening, saying words of learning, but somehow it's not it's not being ma'ira the neshama, that it's not awakening within us that hergish, that chush, that feeling of the mitzvahs of the Bani Shalom in a very, very real and tangible way. Now, we're learning, what do you mean? Davening is the language of the neshama, learning is the language of the neshama, so what we learned at the end of last week is that in Tyra, the Torah defines for us two types of diburim, two ways of speaking, which is learned from the Pasuk by Maimon Hasinik, there's a lotion of Amira and there's a lotion of Haggadah. Amira, Chazal tells us, Amira means lotion Raka in a gentle, in a gentle voice, a gentle way of speaking, that's to the, address the women. And Dibur is a stronger, harsher way of speaking that addresses the men. And the tzaddik was explaining over on page Memtes that on a very obvious level, that's true, that one addresses, one in order for a woman to be able to respond and to hear what you're saying, it needs to be, one needs to address the woman in a Lashmadaka, she responds to words that are spoken gently. And a man can respond more readily to words that are spoken, not with nastiness or harshness, but kashakigidim. Now we didn't learn yet what that means exactly, but words that are spoken strongly address more that na- the nature of the male. This is true b'chlal, in a very simple level, with men and women. And then within each and every one of us, there is that there is that koyach, that's the koyach of the zacher, and there's a koyach, there's a koyach of the nekeva. And what the tzaddik is explaining is that the bini yisera, that quality of additional, of a, a certain additional awareness, a certain spiritual sensitivity, is the quality of a woman. And that side inside of us that responds to to loshon raka, right? That Feminine quality is the property of the neshama, of the soul. So the language of the neshama is lashon raka, is gentle language. Words that are spoken gently. We don't know what that means yet. But lashon raka is the svas neshama. And we want the neshama to respond. We want our neshamas to be revealed. The way, the way that's going to happen is by speaking... <coughs> by ourselves speaking, the svas ha-neshama, the language of the neshama, and by hearing other Jews talking to us and addressing us and teaching us with the language of the neshama. He began by telling us that one of the 
one of the most obvious qualities of the Lashon Raka is a Lashon of Tamimus. Now we're going to see what that means. What does it mean? That the Svas HaNeshama, the language of the soul, is a language that is gentle, and that is the language of Tamimus. That's what we're going to learn more about now. So look on page Nun. That's where we're up to. When you're speaking to a person who wants very much to hear what you have to say, who's very interested in what you're saying, he, Mitzad, himself wants very much to connect to you and hear what you're saying. All we need to, all you need to do is to explain things, to explain things to them properly. If somebody wants to hear very, if somebody is very desperate and longing to hear what you have to say, you don't have to speak to him words that are kashim kegidim. You don't have to speak to him in a strong, hard way. You don't have to speak in the language of persuasion, because this person is chalishing to be makabel from you. He wants to receive from you. He is open to hearing from you. You don't have to try to. You don't have to use words of persuasion to bring him along, right? When you're trying to sell something, all the talent of a salesman, of a good salesman, whether it's selling a pair of shoes or whether it's selling a building, whatever it might be, the language, the sprach of persuasion is, how do I win this person over? In other words, this person is not particularly interested. You know, the second someone comes to talk to you about, you know, about life insurance, so right, oh, that calls you on the phone, he's got some insurance to sell you. So you're, you're not interested in hearing that, either because you've heard too many pictures like that, or because you have someone in your mishpacha that's already taken care of you, and that, that sells it, or whatever it might be. But you don't want to hear that. The second he says, uh, I'm calling about insurance, you're close to it. So you have to speak dvarm kashim kegidim. You have to speak l'shaynas diburim that are persuasive and strong in order to somehow break through that wall that is that is in the way of what you have to say. If you're trying to sell something to somebody, that's the business that you're Isaac in, selling whatever, mortgages, property. So if the person is very excited and anxious, then you don't have to speak the burum that Akashim Kegidim, because he's already won over. He's already excited and interested. You could speak to him in a lush and rock. Again, we'll talk about what that means in a moment. You could speak to him words that are gentle. <coughs> but when there's somebody who is not open or interested, and there's a wall, a barrier between you and that individual, then it's necessary to break through the barrier with the worm, with the burum, which are kashim kegidim. I'm lo When a person, on page nun, the third line of page nun. So when the person is already the person's already in a position of of anxiousness to be macabre, so then you have to you only need to speak dvarmakim, words that are gentle. Dvarm she noim lashaimam, words that are pleasant to the one who's hearing them. Kiben kai vakai khafitzashamelakablam. Because the because the individual wants to hear them. How fortunate is a parent when it, when the atmosphere of the house and the respect and love that the children have for their parents is such that the parents don't have to speak 
Diburim Kashem Kegidim. They don't have to speak words that are overpowering, or words that are words to win over a child. But where the child has a natural respect and love, where all one needs to speak in that home are Dvarim, which are Rakim, Dvarim, which are soft and gentle. Because Ben the one is wants to he wants to hear. What does my father have to say about this? What does my Rebbe have to say about this? What does my husband have to say? My wife, when there's already a chayfetz to hear these words, and a longing for them. But if you if you're trying to if you're trying to convince a person who's, who has already a shell around him, who doesn't want to hear, who's close to what you have to say, Adam Shuk somebody who's stubborn, who's not open to hearing what you have to say, so then, then if you want to break through that stubbornness, or to break through that person's Yetzirah that's preventing him, that's holding him back, that's a barrier that doesn't allow him to hear, then you have to speak very stag, very strong. So we were saying that the natural inclination of the woman is to hear, to be open to spiritual things. That's the Nakuda of being the Yaseirah that she has. The natural position of a male which has a lot to do with his ego and many other things is don't tell me, I know don't tell me something there's a resistance to hearing something so therefore by Maim and Hasinai when speaking to the women you could speak to them gently they're on your side, you don't have to win them over, you don't have to break through those barriers but for the guys, for the men Anybody that's been in education, by the way, and has taught men and has taught women, knows this chilik is so obvious that when you're talking to guys, just the body language of guys in general, when you talk to them, and I've been teaching already for many, many years, when you're speaking to a group of men and women, let's say, and right, they speak to men and women, they sit on the opposite sides, so the men will automatically sit in the back of the room, with the exception of like two or three eager beavers, Usually they're Bali Tshuva. But the guys, the hardened yeshiva guys, will almost always sit in the back of the room. The women will always come to the front of the room. That's the most obvious thing that you see right away when you, when you, when you walk into a room where, where, where men and women are invited to learn. The, the guys have to show, also the, the guys will try to sit by a window or by an exit. There has to be this, there's, there's this, there has to be this, this energy of of, I don't really need to be here I'm only barely in the room I'm on my way out There's probably very little that you could add to my knowledge Because of who I am and what I've already heard in my life And therefore I can't show any eagerness I can't show any readiness or excitement to learn But the last prayer I came here because I'm a Yid and Okay, I have their Herod's, you know, whatever it is So he'll sit in the back of the room the women will automatically flack to the front of any room where there's learning going on, automatically. And it's kahena v'kahena when it comes to inyanim ruchniyim. When it comes to gashmis, you'll see it'll be fakert. The eagerness of the guys when it comes to being by the ball game, where the women can be a little bit late, or the women don't have the women. When it comes to fressing by a chasna or anything gashmis, 
So generally the women are not rushing to the front. The women will be more reserved towards the back, but the guys in that case get very nervous to get to the front. There they, they have their eagerness. So this chiluk is something which is so obvious. Anybody that's ever taught men and women, or anybody that has in their own household, the guys and the girls, knows that this is a mitzvah. Therefore, when it comes to ruchnias, it's not necessary to, to work as hard to win over a woman. When it comes to gashmis, it's not hard to win over a man. So therefore, by Maimon Hasina, the Rabbi Shalom said, you could speak to the women, Belashon Raka, gently. To the men, you have to speak Belashon Koshek Now, how does this translate in the lives of each and every one of us? Since, obviously, all of us have in us this Koyach that's called a male Koyach, and there's a Koyach that's called a feminine Koyach. Obviously, women have a... a the, in them, the dominant Koyach is the feminine, and the recessive Koyach is the male. In men... The dominant kayak is the male, and there's a recessive feminine quality. So how does this work with each and every one of us? So the tzaddik continues. Haguf hu kosher. Inside of each and every one of us, we could say that the male quality is the guf, is the body. The feminine quality is the neshama. That's why guf is bloshon zocher, and neshama is bloshon akeid, right? The body, guf, is in the male gender, the body. The neshama is in Lashon Nekeva. It's in the feminine gender is in the neshama. Hagufu kashav neshama hirak. Adina v'shefaz. The nature of the neshama is that it's gentle, it's evil. Ham neshama mi'etzem tivam chapeses rak elokus. Remember that like a woman, the neshama naturally is seeking godliness. It's seeking, the neshama naturally seeks something beyond. Therefore, the neshama does not have to be clapped over the head. The neshama does not have to be addressed with dvarm kashim, with harsh, strong musr, and so on, since the neshama on its own is on the side of ruchmiyas. The neshama itself is seeking God. Therefore, it does not have to be clapped over the head and spoken in such a way. Which, by the way, is how the morale explains, really, the mistake of Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu is a madrega, but not Masika, but Moshe Rabbeinu is a madrega, that he gave a clap to the stone instead of speaking to the, instead of speaking to it. Chazal tells us that he was supposed to speak. It says in the Mishnah to say words of Torah Shabbat, whatever that means. But he was supposed to speak to the rock, not to give it a clap. And the way the morale explains it is, the Jews are by nature holy. You don't have to hit them over the head in order to get out the water, in order to get out the ruchnis. You speak to a Jew. And you speak to him and you address his nisham, he understands. If you're screaming and yelling, it means it's the equivalent of hitting. There is a way to hit a person with words also. When you yell at someone, you might not be using a stick, but you're hitting the person with words. The Barisham was telling Barisham, you don't have to be hit. You didn't have to be spoken to. Because a Jew has a very strong neshama. And the neshama can be appealed to with gentle words. The nature of a Jew is that he resists getting clapped and hacked with strong words. He goes the other way. It's that same way with children in the yeshiva. It's the same way with children in the house. It doesn't work with Jews. To, to hit and to smack and to beat, you can force a Jew into submission. 
but you haven't really addressed him. You haven't really changed the person. A Jew is a, has a big neshama, and the neshama is naturally seeking God, and therefore the neshama has to be addressed with words that are godly and that are gentle. That's how the neshama responds. Kol dibur shel emes. Look inside. Any word that is true. My father always says this to me, that. Any time that we would have like a discussion, and I would, you know, growing up, and I would start to raise my voice, you know, with my sister, with my mother, my father, I didn't raise my voice. I start to. My father said right away. He would always say, "That's a simon that you don't, that you have nothing to say. If you're already screaming, if you're starting to raise your voice, it's a simon that you're lying. It's a simon that you're not saying something true. If what you're saying is true and you really believed in it with all of your heart, you wouldn't have to scream. Which a guy can't really be masked what that means. Although any good debater doesn't lose his temper. A real good debater doesn't start screaming and yelling. Doesn't have to beat you down. If it's someone that has the truth and he just says it clearly and he explains it, he wins the debate. And whoever is listening hears that side much more clearly. Because he says, Kol Dibashal Emes. Now we're learning the language of the Nishama. Kol Dibashal Emes. Kol Dibashal Tmimus. Words that are spoken Emes. Now all the words of davening of emes, all the words of Torah emes, it's a question of whether or not the one who's saying them means them, the emes. When we're davening, when we're learning, when we say those words, how are we saying them? But every word that's spoken emes, dibushal tamimus, that's spoken purely, simply, and sweetly, ha neshama misanegas alav, the neshama has gevaldi gehanav, the neshama has gevaldi gehanav, the neshama enjoys those words, it delights in those words. Rabbi say, think for a moment about the kind of music that the so-called Jewish music musicians are producing to a large extent these words, these days, the Jewish music. And ask yourselves, is this music meant to speak to the neshama or is it meant to speak to the guf? When you're, when you're sitting at a, at a red light, even with the windows closed in the winter, and there's somebody next to you that's playing like rap or some heavy metal music, and you feel the, the road, under your car, mom is shaking, and you look at the individual in in that car, and the way that the way that he's being affected by that. So, do you think that his neshama is being addressed by that music, music, or his goof is being spoken to by the music? The goof is being yelled at and screamed at and clapped and hacked over the head with all kinds of things like violence and disgusting other disgusting things, because that music is only meant to reach the goof. It's not meant for the neshama. And therefore, that music has to be very strong, very harsh, very powerful. When you listen to Jewish music that's coming out nowadays, also, it's not Jewish, but not. The beat, the, the beat and the rhythm, the sound is all totally saturated with, with, with the world of the Umasailam, of the Goyim. Because the music is not meant to address the Neshama. That's why you can go to so-called Jewish concerts, and the chevre and the people are starting to act and react the way that they the way that they would at a goyish concert, and they're starting to the body language. And you have to you have to put up these little Jewish kids and their and their producer who's making lots of money while while charging these parents for sending their kids to sing somewhere. So they they, they put these little kids up with sequin outfits and bow ties and they're, they're trying to look like little I don't know what little Elvis Presleys or something. The way their producers make them jump and throw the microphone and on, you know, the Chalamari, it's super duper spectaculars. These are not meant to address the Nisham. 
Shlomo Kalabach was seeking to, whether you agreed with certain things that he did or not, that's not for now. But he was seeking to sing to the Neshama. And there are others that are seeking that. Sing to sing to, to the Neshama. A Yiddish Neshama can hear Yiddish music, Jewish music, that comes from the Neshama and is simple and sweet and it addresses the Neshama Belashem Raka. Those who are producing these new tapes that are coming out, the boom, 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 the Jewish rap, and they're taking taking a pasuk from Tanakh and abusing and subjecting Hashem's words to all the filth of the atmosphere of the nations of the world. That's not speaking to the neshama because the person who's singing that song, and you see, as we spoke about in their advertisements and their whole production, they're not looking for the neshama and they're not singing from the neshama. They're trying to make some music. They have some talent. I'm sure they're nice. They're nice fellas, but but they're not they're not. Uh, they're not going to the mikveh before they sing that song, you understand? They're not going to the mikveh. There's, there's a, a Jewish musician who writes beautiful Haitzig and Nagunim that I first heard many years ago. I don't want to speak right now about the particular who he is, but I called him up when I first heard these Nagunim that were given to me by a Balchur. You can't buy these tapes in any store. He doesn't sell them in stores. They're not sold in stores. So I got it through a Balchur who gave me this tape, and I called up this, this Menagin, this singer, to tell him how much a ratio it made on me, that the, the songs made such a ratio on me. And I told him the truth. I said that I was listening to this, and when I listened to the, your song, I was crying. And he said to me, when I wrote the song, I was crying. Okay. That's called the language of the Nishama. And it could be a simple nigga, like many of our Nagunam are simple. The Nusach of Yom Kippur, of Hashem Yom Kippur, the Nusach of Hashem Kippur, the second you hear it, it tears through your Nishama. Because it was because it was composed by, by the Neshama. And therefore, it speaks simple, Tamimus. Tamimus, and the Neshama delights in that. The, the Neshama delights in the language of the Neshama. It has to be more complicated than singing the right nigga. Huh? This process has to be more complicated than singing the right nigga. Right, we're going to talk a lot about how this is. But it's the work, it's not complicated. No, you'll see it's not complicated. We'll learn. Since the neshama is seeking elokus godliness, it, it delights in any word that's true, in any word that's tamimus, because that's what the neshama is looking for. So when it hears it, it says, "Ah, that's it. That's what I've been. That's been. That's what I've been waiting to hear. I've been waiting to hear that my whole life." But when the when a person is being addressed only intellectually. Now remember that even though the seichel, even though the intellect is a very is a very advanced expression of the body, still it's mechel haguf. Still the intellect is expressing the physical. It might be talking about spiritual things, but it's not, as we learned earlier in the seifer, it's not a simple expression of the neshama. The seichel ha'neshish mechel haguf. When you, when a person speaks in in other words, if there's somebody who's waiting to hear from you a lecture on the subject of davening, right? He's waiting to hear from you. You're attending a seminar on davening, and he wants to hear some fancy intellectual explanation of what davening is. That's the hepach of the. He says. He says, and instead the person goes over there, and what does he say? He says something very tamimistic, very simple. 
So that's going to be the heipach of the mahus of the seichel. So there's going to be a whole uproar at the seminary. Or at that seminar, there's going to be a whole uproar. We paid $18 to listen to a, to, to listen to a, a profound lecture on the subject of davening. And this guy gets up there and he starts to, he closes his eyes and he says, you know, forget this Yidin, don't forget, gedenk shon Yidin, gedenk, remember Yidin that the Baruch Shalom loves you. For that I paid 18 bucks, no matter, there's a rip-off, I want my money back, and, you know, I went to hear, my goof came to hear something. My body came to hear something. <clears throat> but if you came, to, if you came to be inspired, if you came to be inspired, and your neshama came there without all the malbushim of the goof, and you came there because you wanted to be changed and inspired, not because you wanted to have an interesting thing that you could say over at the table, but to be inspired and to be changed, it doesn't have to be tamimistic mamish. Tamimistic, and you'll say, eighteen dollars. I got, I got, I got a, I would, for a million dollars, I, I wouldn't be able to buy what I had over here. A million dollars. Somebody, there was a Rebbe in Borough Park some years ago, I was told about this, that there's a, a tzaddik that, that, um, that one, one day he sent his shamas, that the shamas should get, there was before there was any email or anything like that, he sent the shamas he should go and start calling up the chassidim. He wanted all the chassidim to come that night at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock that they should come to the bismedrish. And that's a hard time. Work and uh, supper, and it was a hard time. But the rabbi insisted that every one of his, his chassidim, it was not a large chassidim, but whatever it is, 250, 300 guys, every one of the chassidim must come. If you're one of mine, you have to come to bismedrish at 5.30, something like that. So it was like, oh, the Chassidim are going crazy. What is this? And it was a Balagan, like, what's going to be? And what is this? What's happening? So listen to this. The, the, they come, they come, all the Chassidim come there, and they're standing there around in the bleachers, you know, they don't know what this is. And they're every sitting at the table for a few minutes. And the Shamas brings in, he calls the Shamas, brings in a tape recorder. A tape recorder. And the Rebbe tells him, put it on. He puts on the tape recorder. And Chassidim can't believe this. And they never knew that the Rebbe knew what a tape recorder was. And he puts on the tape recorder, and the Rebbe is sitting with his eyes closed. And all of a sudden, on the tape, there's a baby crying. First, soft, soft crying. And then there are also kids, like, calling out and complaining and crying. Mommy, mommy, crying. It's crying. And the Rebbe has his eyes closed, and he's chuckling like this. This is going on for five minutes, ten minutes. Chassidim starts to go out of their mind. Because they can't leave. And all that going like this, the boys going on. They, 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 and the baby ah, ah, is screaming, and this one's yelling, and mommy, and tati, and crying. This goes on. The Rebbe, for like 20 minutes, I was told the Rebbe was doing this, this tape. And the Chassid was just standing there. And the whole time, the Rebbe is like, he's chuckling. And then he turns off the tape. And he says, and he looks at the Chassid and he says, No. He says, It's not so pressured to be a mother. Go home and help your wives. That's what he said. Go home and help your wives. He said, the person that told this to me said that the Roshim that it made on the guys, the Roshim that it made on the guys, was something that for years and years, you know, it, it didn't go away from them. It stays with them, this Roshim. Could you imagine going to, going to hear so someone, that's, someone that doesn't have any children, or that's not married, and he goes to such a, a kibbutz, he goes to such a fabragan, right? Where, it's, where an old Jew puts on a tape of baby's crying. So you got to get a net and take him away. And they're all crazy. 
The whole thing is crazy. But anybody that has children, anybody that's married, anybody that has a sensitive Jewish heart, hears that, and, this, and, and then heard what the Rebbe said afterwards, all he said was, was a few words, go home, now go home. That's a lesson that you take your whole life. Because it's something that's, it's something that it, it, it speaks to the neshama. It doesn't speak to the goof. What speaks to the goof? We're going to get in, the, we're going to have the, 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 this famous psychologist that wrote a book on parenting. Right? And he's going to come and he's going to address the Hasidic gathering at, you know, at, uh, at 9 o'clock at night when everybody's home. And there's going to be a uh, famous psychologist, a film psychologist, talking on the subject of parenting. It's all goof, talks to the goof, comes from the goof, goes to the goof. Will it make a ration? Could be, because Jews are intelligent people. And they might, as he talks about this later on, you could take something, even though it comes from the goof, and you could take it and bring it into your neshama, fine. But it... But it's it's nowhere as effective, it's nowhere as effective as speaking to the neshama with the language of the neshama, and that's what our generation must learn: the language of the neshama. Our babis and zaydis spoke it naturally; it was their vocabulary. It was the natural language of our ancestors. It's become now a second language, and we have to learn how to speak it. That it should be our first, primary language in yeshiva and at home and to each other and with ourselves the svas ha-neshama, the language of the neshama to learn more about what it means it's not simple it's not silly it's emes, adive tmimus which is the opposite the of the Muslim saying that, that the rabbi was, was, was uh, speaking adive uh, tmimus and was it penetrated to go to that? yeah no, not that there's a baby born no, but, the, no, but the, the rabbi used that it's Aaron's kind because the children are angst when they cry, they're sincere when they cry, and the, and everybody could picture with their dimming, they could picture the women that are trying to juggle ten different things at that moment, right? Before the usual entrance of the of the tzaddik coming back from work, you know, how come the house isn't perfect? How come the wife doesn't look perfect? How come the kids are not already asleep? How come the food's not not on the table? How come the chulu And and the, the tzaddik used the angstkeit, the sincerity of that. Of the tape, which is, you can't you can't be more sincere than a child, right? And and the Rebbe's sincerity in his longing to give chizik to the women, right? And to give his chaskas to the men that they should be good husbands. So it didn't require it didn't require fancy speeches. If you look at the Kedusha Levi, this parsha talks a little bit about this thing in the Beit Zavah. So it's not exactly the same. It's probably two different times. It's Sadiqan. For instance. Anybody that ever heard the Chavetz Chaim, and I've spoken to many Jews over the years who heard the Chavetz Chaim, Chavetz Chaim didn't say complicated things. Chavetz Chaim didn't give like fancy mamarim. Chavetz Chaim, I heard, I remember from my, my rabbi in yeshiva, he said that he remembers when the Chavetz Chaim came to Grodna. I don't remember what year it was. He says the Chavetz Chaim came to Grodna. And he described to us what was what happened. He said that, the, that he remembers Shabbos. Thousands of people came. They were all around the shul in the courtyard through the windows and the women upstairs. Everybody came. And Chavz Chaim was at that time already was very old. And he remembers that the hat was covering his eyes because his head was had shrunk, shrunken. And he and he used to put he, he didn't want to change his hat. He didn't want to change. He wore a little cap. He didn't want to change his hat. My Rebbe said because the hat was good to him and it was still good. So all the years he didn't want to change it. So he used to put tissues inside when his head got smaller as he got older. He put tissues inside. But Shabbos he didn't want to go with tissues inside the hat. 
on Shabbos. So it was down on his nose, the hat. And he said that the Chavetz Chaim got up. What did, he, what did he talk about? He said that the Chavetz Chaim spoke about sneers. He said that in, this, in, in those days, before the war, he said that you know the women were going with short sleeves and not dressed properly, and it was with their hair uncovered. And, you know, it a, it's not something that started now. But it started then. So the Chavetz Chaim, he says the Chavetz Chaim got up and he said, "Hey, the sweet, precious daughters of Israel, Jewish girls." Have Rachmanis on your neshamas. Rachmanis on the children. Have Rachmanis on the on your nesham. He just said like that, and he, and my Rebbe said that the hundreds, thousands of people started crying and bawling. And Mr. Chavzheim said, and and he he said that for weeks afterwards, not for months, for weeks afterwards, even the fry, the non-religious girls in Grodno, all were walking around with shawls covering their arms, and they would wear and they wore scarves on their heads. Eventually, you know, but but Chavis Chaim, huh? I heard this from my Rebbe, Rabbi Yankov Bobrovsky, Zechot It's a big, big, big Talmud Chacham. He was there in Grodno when this happened, and he said the Rosh and the Chavis Chaim. He didn't give, he didn't give a lecture on the subject of Sneez, right? Like now they're going to have uh, they'll have the uh, next convention. The theme will be modesty in the workplace, and you have uh, and you'll have you know. Uh, no, 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 uh, no lectures on the subject of modesty. And the Chavetz Chaim, the Chavetz Chaim, what we would do, just have the Chavetz Chaim get up there and say those words. Why? Because the Chavetz Chaim spoke the language of the Nisham. He could say all the fancy lectures in the world, Chavetz Chaim would call it Tarakul. But he, that's not how he spoke to them. That's not how he spoke to us. <coughs> because he knew that in order for the women to change, in order to make a change, he knew that in order for the men to want that there should be change, he knew that he had to speak to the Nishamas. And if you give a fancy lecture with 4,000 marmakimis, it comes from the intellect, it, it reaches the intellect. The intellect is still part of the goof. It's still part of the body. But the language of the neshama is emes. Anskai tmimis is the language is the language of the neshama. And, and, when you, and when you speak the language of the neshama, it doesn't have to be other abit. It doesn't... The more the the less complicated it is, the more effective it is. The less complicated it is, and that's and that's something which the cipher is 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 going to be focusing on a lot. How how to learn this language of the neshama to begin to speak the language of the neshama, and that's what he explains. The next paragraph, the klal is it says in pasuk. The third paragraph. Which means, says in Pasuk, that you have to understand the language of each person. That's what's important for us now. With the, with the person who is strong in this quality of Tamimus, you have to speak in the language of Tamimus. Right? With a person who's a chassid, you have to speak language chassidus and so on. With a person who's stubborn, you have to speak with a shrewd language. The stubborn person, you have to speak with a cleverness and shrewdness. But with a tamim titama, with a child, with a child, if you speak to the child, you want to tell the, you want to tell the child, you want to tell the child to be a good Jew. So what do you think? You have to speak to the child all kinds of fancy things? You have to bring him all kinds of mamari chazal? No, imtamim titama. The problem is that as we grow up, our neshamas 
are chalishing still for, the, for those words that we never heard in yeshiva, that we never heard, or we rarely heard growing up. And that's what Jews are longing to hear. To me, it's language of the Chavos Chaim. That's what they want to hear. Not another lecture, another shmuz. That's all interesting. And that's part of growing and part of learning. That's all gewaldic. But the language of the Nisham is the language of the Chavos Chaim. There were tzaddikim who hardly spoke. Where Mendele, Mendele Vorka spoke only eight times. He was Rebbe for 40 years. He spoke eight times. And the eight times that we have from him, they're all like two lines. So what would be by Mendele Vorka? By Tish? Thousands of people standing by. These are smart Jews. These are some, and he himself was a guy in Ireland. Thousands of Jews standing around. Mendele Vorka was sitting at the table and would just make, and would crash and would look. And would just say, Good Shabbos. And the whole island is crying and shooting. Try selling that nowadays. Try to get a, a, a rabbi like that nowadays. You won't have five chassidim. There won't be five chassidim. Huh? He was the son of the rabbi Tzok. Rabbi Tzok Vorka was with the Kotzke best friends. Rabbi Vorka was the son of rabbi Tzok Vorka. And the son of rabbi Mendele was the Amshinov that you've heard of. Uh, the Amshinov that Tzadikim come from that. Rabbi spoke... Eight times in 40 years. I have to do more on one Shabbos than eight times. <laughs> I also am out. Right? Eight times in 40 years. And and thousands of people did shuva every time he sat with them. Thousands. He looked at them. He, he looked at them. He looked in them. There's a language that goes even beyond the language of having to speak as the language of the eyes. That the eyes can speak. The eyes have an ability to speak, and and there were tzaddikim. That's what the Bedicha talks about in this parasha. There are two types of tzaddikim: the tzaddik that only has to say very little, and the tzaddik has to say a lot. <coughs> but but that's the svas haneshama. That's the language of the neshama. With the tamim, you speak with tamimus. The chenim haneshama she bechinas tamimus. The neshama, which is the bechinas of tamimus, which is simple and pure. The way to speak to the neshama is the lashon. The language of the neshama is tamimus. Simple, simple, and to the point. Emes, a hundred percent emes. You think people think that Jews don't want to hear the truth? You have to be politically correct. You have to always say things that that are politically correct. It's not true. Deep down, I believe, deep down, I've seen this. Deep down, Jews detest political correctness. They detest it. They hate it. When someone says the emiss, even though they might not agree with you, they might say, it's not what you say. But they appreciate when someone says to them, Siddham Zach, straight. They appreciate it. Because the Neshama appreciates words that are spoken truthfully. But when someone gets up and starts to tray around with a politically correct drasha, Jews might find it interesting, but inside of them, the neshamas, they detest those words that are dripping with the phoniness of political correctness. You could say to a Jew everything, straight, 100% emes. He wants to hear the emes. The same way that I said, when, when I, I mentioned this once to you before, I think, the same way when, when I was, I remember when the shul started and people were telling me, I got calls from people telling me, you can't wear your strimal, don't wear a strimal. 
because the modern oilam they can't deal with it. They're not going to want to come. They're going to you're not going to have a shul. Please, you can wear any kind of hat you like. Just don't wear a strimal. There's nothing in them. I'm wearing the strimal. That's my Shabbos lavush. And I said, and I was right, even though I might not be often right. I was right when I said it's going to be just the opposite. He didn't love to see a strimal. Jews love to see a strimal. Why? They come from totally non-strimal backgrounds. Why would they want to see a strimal? They love to see a strimal. You know why? Because to them it speaks the truth. Why? I'm not saying a strimal is better than a, a God forbid, than a, a knitted yarmulke or a black cat. That's not the point. But the point is, they're looking for something with smells of authenticity. And when they and that, that 90% of the people here know that that's exactly what this aid is, and the Alta aid is wore. They know that they wore those, those things. They have pictures of them, and they know about it, right? And it speaks to the neshama. The shrimal speaks to the neshama. Not the the clean-shaven rabbi who goes with his English name, stands up over there saying fancy words. Inside of them, they don't like that. Inside of even though even though. They respect and all, and that's, but they want, they prefer to see a beard and face in the shrine. And then, and, and you know, people say that's ridiculous. I couldn't care less. Adarabah, I hate that. That's a, not my style. It's not true. Those who still are in touch with the neshamas, it's true. There are many people that won't want to hear that, and that there are people that won't be against it. But those who are still listening within the neshamas, when they see something that looks more like like it's authentic, like it goes back closer to what was. That that's what they want. The chalishing for them. Other rabbis, the chalishing for them. And even those that that are so closed and so callous to the neshama that they're afraid to hear that nowadays. But they still like to hang up paintings of Jews with strimals. It's interesting. But if their kid came back with one, they'd hang him on a rope. <laughs> right? Kid came back from Israel like you know marrying a girl and wearing a shrine. Yeah, they'd go out of their, they'd go out of their minds. They wouldn't know what to do. But it's but the language is the language of the neshama. The more authentic, the more emistic, the more tamimistic, the more appealing it is to the nisham, not to the guf. That's why those Jews are very big balay guf. They get very angry about the shram. They get angry about the beard and paste. They get angry about all these things. They fight about these things. There was a ma'aseh in our community where there was some, there was some, um, there was a certain lava malka from a school, and they wanted to, and uh, and, and uh, there were. There were teachers, the women, that wanted to dance with the girls, but they wouldn't dance unless there was a mechitz. The women are very, very from women, and they wouldn't dance with, that, with the girls, with the students, unless there was a mechitz. So, right, rightfully, rightfully, the administrators that were there said, well, we'll put up a mechitz. Why shouldn't the girls dance with their, with their teachers? That's nice. So they put up a mechitz so, so the girls could dance. So one of the administrators told me that he was barraged nonstop throughout the next day and night with emails from the people. How dare you do this? You're trying to change our community. Who do you think you are? And this is not what we're about. And why are you doing this? And he said, I wasn't trying to make a religious statement. I just thought that it would be nice because the girls wanted to dance with their mothers. The mothers wouldn't dance unless you put them in Why are you making it such an issue? So, Shtelzachvo, think for a moment, Rabbi saying, What person would take the time to send an email against a machitza so that little after girls the after the fact so the little girls were able to dance with their mothers like what principle do you live by what's your ideology that would that would be so important to you and cause such anger and passion that you would actually stop to write nasty emails and long letters that he got mm. from from these individuals it's not 
it's a very, very sad thing. It's because the neshama is so covered with so many layers. Ad kedekach, that they that a person is so covered with the goof with the body, that that anything that schmecks of the neshama frightens such a person, and it and it it, it threatens it threatens that person's well-being, because today a mechitza, tomorrow there might be a there might be a mechitza, you know, and it might. Tomorrow means I can't go swimming in the club, or tomorrow means I can't go to the movie, or tomorrow means that my husband's going to walk in with a hat, or tomorrow means that my little girl is going to cover her knees, or my little girl is going to want to go and marry some guy that stays in Kailo. How threatened this person is. That's only from the goof. The neshama is chalishing from mechitza. The neshama, when there's a mechitza, the neshama says, Oh, I'm a there's no, there's no preachers, there's no, there's no tumma, there's a mechitza between men and women. That's the way the Rabbi Shalom wants this should be. That he doesn't want there should be men and women dancing together. Aye, the neshama says, it's very good. Aye, it's so good, it feels so good, the neshama says. So those people who are in touch with the neshama and listen to the language of the neshama, they feel so gewaldic. Like many other people, they felt very good about it. They said, it's great, we can do it again next year. There are many people that sent emails like that. But it's gewaldic. Finally, we did. why didn't we do this all the years? It's gewaldic, because the neshama feels good. Those people whose neshamas are very covered, and they're very, very, very tuned into the goof, so the body got angry because my body likes to dance next to a lady. My body likes to, to see other women jumping up and down. And they'll say, I couldn't care less. I don't care less. Why do I need that? You think I look at other women? I don't need So where are you getting all fahidst? What is it? What are you making a big deal? What are you making such a big deal? Like in every chasm, you'll have, even with the machids, you'll have some men that for some reason they always stand by the women watching them dance. And you tell them, what are you doing over there? Maybe the women don't like that. And they'll say, what do you think I care about this? What do you, you like a reaction in the Gemara? It doesn't make any. You don't care. They're like white geese to you. This is all. This is all body language, not neshama language. Body language. And it's and at a, at a wedding where they're playing where they're playing Jewish rap and Jewish hip hop. It's no surprise that they're men that are standing there looking at the women. Because even there, even though there's a mechitza, the mechitza is an invisible mechitza. It's a mechitza from hip-hop, from rap. That's what the mechitza is. So a man who's shaman mistress can stand on the women's side watching the women dance. But the neshama, aye, the neshama feels good. When there's something holy, the neshama feels good. The neshama feels good. Because that's the language of Tamimus. You speak to the neshama in a language that's pleasant. Loshan ni'ima. Loshan raka, gentle. A language of tachanunim, of what? Of beseeching. Tachanunim yudabarash, which means in a way of beseeching, in a way of calling out, but not harsh and strong and angry and intellectual. Right? Like we spoke about this a few weeks ago. If somebody, if, if, if somebody would propose to his kal and say, to his intended and say, from the bottom of his heart, he would he would prepare for like you know he'd say. I must tell you that I love you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And her response would be, you know, statistically, to every proposal in America, uh, there's a 74% uh, response of the affirmative and there's a 28% response in the negative. You know, whatever it is. This this would be the way that the girl would respond. That's ice shiver. 
I'm talking to you in the, the language of the Neshama. And that's how you're answering me with statistics? That you're answering, that's how you answer me? Statistics? I'm telling you, I'm giving you over my heart. And how many relationships there are that are broken like this? That one's trying to speak the Sfas and the Shama, the, the other one only hears the Lashon Haggur. They're not listening for the Sfas and the Shama. And this is the Yisait of broken relationships. <clears throat> You're calling me by my name, but they're not speaking to who I am. My name is, that's my name. My name is Chayroch. My name is, um, is Moshe Yankel. That's my name. But you're not speaking to my Nisham. One is, the other isn't. Avalim HaSeichel HaNeishi, he says, Shumidus HaRamumius Shekibel Adam Eitzadas Seichel, intellect, statistics, intellect, that comes to me, Eitzadas Tevirah. It's a very good thing when we use it in the right way, which we'll talk about, but it hasn't had a cleverness and a shrewdness. It hasn't had something that's politically correct. Itai tzirchem adabit varm kashem. I, when you when you're talking to somebody who only hears that, then you have to speak to him in that way that it can convince him intellectually. Then you have to speak to him to win him over with what? With sharp things, with sharp, clever things. People go to the Seder the Hagod, they go to the Seder Lel Pesach, and instead of, instead of telling children. Just that the Bereshulam loves them, and he loves our, and he took us out of Mitzrayim. He starts to say, you know, some fancy vert, you know, and the whole night of the Seder, the kids are sitting there, and the, and the father, men are talking over, like, you know, this, this gewaldige vert to show how this, this word in the Haggad is not extra. So, the kids, that, that's, that's the Seder Lel Pesach. That's what the Bereshulam meant. All the vetlach. So after the children go to sleep, you stay up or you talk on Yontif, you go and you sit in this marriage. But the Seder Lel Pesach, you think that those Haggadahs, the tzaddikim, and we know we have Edis, the Chassam Soifer, Rabbi Nachman Bresov, the Balatanya, the biggest minds, the Vilna Goyen, the greatest minds in our history. But the Seder El Pesach, they spoke to the women and the children, simple in Yiddish and every Taich, simple telling what it says in the Haggadah, and saying Madrash and beautiful how the Vayneshul loved the Sintu Gazadim Israel. So what about the parish of the Chassam Soifer and the Haggadah? That's not, that's not what he was. Later on when the Talmidim came, late at night, he said over the Torah, but the Seder of Pesach was, was, was emes and tamimus. It wasn't showing how I can, this vart is like that, this is like that. All, that's all gavaldic, to appreciate Hashem's Torah. But that's not what the children came to the Seder for. And that's why the teachers that prepare all the big peklach for the kids to tell their parents now, that the fathers come to the Seder, and the children, and the fathers can't even talk because the children, because the teachers have to show that they did all this work, so they give them all these things. And, and the kids have all the vertlach to say, it's all very sweet, but it's not the tachas. It's not the tachas to say sharp things. That's another time. Sharp things is good. Yeah, it's good. But there's a time for there's a time for everything, and it's well known. I mentioned before that Shach said, "Why is it that in his mishpach it didn't come out what he thought would be godless and tyrant?" And Shach said, "Because I said Rambam's at the Shabbos table and we didn't sing his mirrors. So Rav Shach wasn't renouncing the Rambam or his learning the Rambam. That was his whole life. But there's a time for everything. And Rav Shach was a great enough tzaddik to say, we, sort of, we should have sang Bozmiris at the time. And that would have brought more Rambams in the family. There should have been Bozmiris at the time. Kshodim Adab, last paragraph. Kshodim Adab, Edvarim Shal Seichel and Eishi, Mitzad Mohusu Shal Hadibur, Mitzad Achitzayni Shal Hadibur, Klaim Hadibur, Mikai Haguf, when you're saying things that are sh- 
that are when your words are words that are spoken purely from the intellect that means it's the external quality of speech and that's a speech that comes the intellect is still a component of the body of one's physical existence you can be the biggest genius in the world but you don't mean what you're saying or it's not filled with passion or with emes so you could appeal to somebody's intellect you could convince them that something is smart that it makes a lot of sense by filling your words with what? with the intellect but to turn towards the soul to speak to the neshama to call the neshama by its name like when you want to call somebody you have to call them by his name and to awaken the neshama from its very essence you can't do that with having a seminar on davening. You can't do that. You can't. On the way here, I was on the phone with somebody, a very fine person, that I should come to this convention and talk about spirituality, and I said, I'm not going. I'm not going. I, I, I did it a few years ago. To this, I went to this convention and, the, and the, to speak to the, all these rabbis about spirituality. And everybody sits there with a tape recorder with the notes. And then they ask me, shout and this and shout and that. I say, I'm not going. I'll talk to my balabat and I'll talk to the yid. I'm not going to, I'm not conventioneering. I'm not conventional. I don't want to be, I'm not conventional. I don't want to go to conventions. I don't like to talk in conventions. So that sounds terrible. What kind of, why shouldn't I talk? I'll go talk about things. I'll talk Biswas on the Shama, and if you're ready to hear Biswas, not to say there weren't Jews there, 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 there were. And I, and I start to say what I wanted to say, and I didn't care about it. It was totally politically incorrect. If you hear a tape, I wouldn't believe that I spoke those things at that convention. And, you know, it, and there were those that were hearing, there were those that, were, that, that heard with the Biswas on the Shama, and there were others that didn't. They get very angry about what I said, because what I said was not was not politically aligned with what I was supposed to say, and what was officially, you know, on the, in the brochure. Those that wanted to hear from the Neshama, and I tried to speak that way, Bez Hashem. So there was there was a certain amount of, of excitement, but I don't want to I don't want to be in a brochure to go like this. I don't like to do that. Even though sometimes I have no choice and I have to, there's a different inyanim, but I don't like to do that personally. That's not how I like. I don't like to speak to my children that way. I don't like to speak to other Jews that way. Even though I enjoy saying a Shia, and I, I, I've been doing that my whole life, but. To go to a group of people and, and 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 to speak about that which is the closest and most precious in my neshama, and to give a lecture on it, that's not my style to give a lecture. When I'm learning with my ilum and I see them every every day or every Shabbos, I could shirum and that's that's gavaldi. But to to speak the lashon of the svas and neshama, well, I only speak the svas and neshama with people that I could trust my neshama with. And I'm afraid when I, somebody that's outside, I can't trust my neshama. That's how we are with people that we love, and it's a very, very personal thing. Which I could do that too. I like to give. I can give a shi'a like that, and I give in halach and other inyanim. I can give a shi'a like that. That's that's fine. But if you're asking me on this on, on such a subject of spirituality, and it's you know, and it's because you want to fill up your program to have a nice uh, presentation to show like this and whatever, so then I can't do that. That's that's right. So Rakha Allah and Neshama. Neshama Shamas Safa Shal Neshama. The Neshama listens to the language of the Neshama. Zehu. Now, the language of the Neshama, that vocabulary, that way of speaking, is what we have to focus on now in Neshama, the rest of this parak, and, and and for a few more moments, we're going to focus on developing how Kayach to speak the language of the Neshama.
Yishakayim.